no one ever gets a perfect score on the bar exam. So, you know, everyone fails to some extent. So what you want to do is try to fail less over time. That's what passers do. They just fail less. Hi, everyone. My name is Doreen Benjamin. I started a podcast and YouTube called Before You Take the LSAT, which is not just about the LSAT. Um, but if you know anyone studying, you're welcome to send them my way. I'm happy to help them. But basically, I started it while I was a 2L at Columbia because I wanted more information as a first-generation American professional. I just felt like there could be more information and make it easier to figure it out. So this is the first in a series of Before You Take the Bar. And we're very excited about having Brian on as a guest. Um, Brian is the founder of a website called Make This Your Last Time, which I believe many of you are familiar with. He created Magic Sheets, which I think he's best known for Magic Sheets. Is that right, Brian? That is correct. Yeah, he created Magic Sheets, which are condensed outlines. Many people have used it to help them pass the bar. And he's also spoke, he's spoken to thousands of students, helped them in their process of passing the bar. When I heard about your podcast, you know, I was pretty excited to join. You know, it resonated with me just because I kind of have a similar story as yours as well. You know, back in 2013, there wasn't anything too remarkable for bar takers. It was it was kind of dominated by, you know, the major bar prep companies. And, uh, you know, they were not really teaching us how to learn. You know, they would throw books at us, like these giant boxes of books. So, you know, after I passed the second attempt, I wanted a one-stop shop for alternative resources and insights and strategies about bar prep that no one was talking about. And uh, for anyone who is new to me, you know, my name is Brian Hahn. I run Make This Your Last Time. I have a lot of, you know, free resources. You know, thank you guys for joining me here. Uh, together, we'll be gaining a lot of knowledge and insight over the next hour or so. So the first question is, as someone, so I know that we have some people who are taking the bar for the first time. We have some people who are retakers. If you feel comfortable sharing, you can put in the chat if it's your first time or if you're retaking. But Brian also had to take the test more than once, so he passed on his second try. So the question is, what is your lesson that you learned from retaking the bar? And how did you change your strategy the second time around? I, you know, failed the first time. And I didn't want to be, as, I, I was like, coming out of the exam, feeling pretty good. Like, I'm not going to be a statistic. And then, you know, that's exactly what happened. So I was like, you know, I have to figure out this bar thing. And, uh, you know, I passed the second time in 2014. And, you know, I started making sure the last time. And then, you know, the rest is history. So, you know, what I did was, you know, I tried different things, different strategies. You know, I took a more conscious approach and, you know, kind of went off the beaten path of what Kaplan was telling me to do. And the thing I did the first time, I think, was that, you know, I fixated too much on, you know, rules and theory, as opposed to knowing how to use them. You know, I kind of went by the book, you know, watching all the lectures, filling in the notes, you know, every day, religiously, you know, six hours, eight hours, you know, consumed everything, you know, checking off assignment boxes, you know, taunting me every day, you know, making sure that they're complete. And I think the most devious part was that, you know, Kaplan gave me a sense of security that, you know, they had it all planned out for me, you're going to be okay. And, you know, all of this overall was exhausting, you know, it's, it was not as fun and productive as you know, tinkering with the past exam questions. You know, I didn't have the energy or the time to do anything else, you know, let alone put in the mental effort that you need to you know, try to solve these past exam questions. And if I had to boil down everything we're going to talk about today, it is that you know, the past will guide your future. So you know, don't be afraid of looking at past exam questions. I know people kind of tend to hide behind, you know, lectures and reading outlines and trying to memorize. And those are all needed. They're all required. You know, they're all minimum requirements. But sometimes people tend to get kind of lost in, you know, the, the mass of things that they think they need to do. 
And what I hope to do today is to kind of identify what moved the needle so that you, know, you can spend your time more wisely in the, the last month. I think a lot of times people get stuck on, I need to memorize the rules. I need to memorize the rules. And I know we're going to talk about this more in depth later, but I feel like sometimes people let that keep them. It keeps them from like actually doing questions and like really going full force towards the questions. Whereas if you start doing questions, like let's say you start doing essays earlier on, you will start to learn the rules because you learn it as it's applied. And it's not like on the essay, you have to have it word for word exactly correctly. You just have to know how to apply it in a certain situation. So in some ways, I feel like thinking about it as something that you need to memorize can go against like what you actually need to achieve and do on the test. I'm curious if that's something you would agree with. I would 100% agree with okay. it. That's an excellent insight. I don't really have anything to add to that, actually. Okay, cool. I was just curious if you agreed. So that's kind of what I, where I was going with that. So, okay, I guess another thing that I would love to ask you, unless there was anything you want to add to the last question about lessons learned. You know, I generally like to suggest to people, you know, not to break the chain, meaning that, you know, do at least something every day that's related to bar prep, if, even if it's like one MB question. Because yeah. if you, as the moment you stop thinking about bar prep, you know, yeah. you lose your momentum. You know, people talk about, motivation which i'll talk about later you know part of that is keeping up the momentum of uh you know kind of being in this bar prep mode it's you know once you have that momentum you don't really need to rely on motivation from outside sources so you know not breaking the chain you know using real mb questions i think that's a pretty common uh, insight nowadays so i don't really need to emphasize that um i already hit on you know lectures not being as helpful you can use it as applicable you don't have to use every single one. It's like when you open a you know, newspaper, you don't read every single article. You look at what you find interesting, what you need to read. Yeah. Um, you know, same like Wikipedia, you don't read the whole article, you kind of pick and choose. And there are like specific strategies as to essays, like issue checking, you know, essay cooking, things like that. I could get into that more. And I guess I would not be afraid to invest in things. You know, one of the things I think that really helped me was booking a room, like a hotel room. It sounds very simple. But, you know, I was able to get away from traffic, get away from you know, other people, and just kind of having that own space where I can kind of focus on the, the whole week. You know, the bar exam is not just two days, but it's like the whole week. So yeah. having that space to kind of think about, you know, the essays I'm going to write, things like that, that really helped. So, I mean, those are just kind of some of the basic things that I would say I did, you know, specifically, differently the second time. So just to give people a sense, the three questions I'll be asking before we move to, move to submitted questions are three core principles of bar prep, the three components required to pass the bar, and everyone's favorite question based on your responses, how to spend the last month of studying. So that's where we're going to get started. Then we're going to go to some of the submitted questions and Q&A. So let's start with three core principles of bar prep. Okay, so these are things that I believe in uh, when it comes to the bar exam. I can kind of boil it down to three things and uh, you know you can adopt them as you see fit. So the first one is, you know, bar prep is personal. You know, I say this a lot, you are the dean of your own studies. There's no need to follow the plan that they set out. I know you spent, you know, thousands of dollars and it might feel like a sunk cost, but your bar review course is just one out of many supplements that will support your self-learning. So, you know, instead of, you know, being pulled in by their pace, uh, you know, there's a lot of indoctrination by these traditional bar review courses. As soon as you step onto campus your first year, they're, you know, telling you, oh, you got to sign up with us. Here's our free, you know, outline and stuff like that. So, you know, try to be more conscious about how you're using those courses. 
You don't have to listen to every lecture. You can do it if you want to, you know, if you need extra help with it. So, uh, and by now you're like, you can do that. Um, yeah, I mean, choose your own adventure. You can tweak the schedule to your liking. If it doesn't make sense to, you know, do three days of torts because you aced it in law school, maybe you can, you know, do more practice questions or skip the lecture, whatever. Or I know in, in my case, professional responsibility in California, you know, that tends to be tested a lot. And there was only one day devoted to that in the course. So that doesn't make sense to me in my view. But, you know, of course I followed it because, uh, you know, I was lost. I didn't know who to listen to. I didn't have something like make this your last time reminding me, you know, I can choose my own adventure. So that's number one. Number two is to focus on what moves the needle. And, you know, that's kind of a vague statement. So let me just kind of uh, elaborate on that. You know, I know you're saddled with all an overwhelming amount of things you need to do. You know, you got these assignment boxes, you got this completion meter, you have a list of things that they, you know, tell you you need to do. But, you know, it's not Themis, it's not your law school, it's not me who is going to decide your fate. I would encourage you to, first of all, kind of think about what you need in order to learn. If you, you know, again, if you're stronger in torts, maybe you don't need to spend tons of time on it. You know, you can use Themis, you can use me as advisors, but, you know, you make the ultimate decisions. This whole thing is a self-study endeavor at its core. So, you know, use the big courses to your advantage, you know, otherwise you're letting them use you for, you know, their statistics and, and whatnot. That's easier said than done. You know, I also understand uh, kind of the mentality that you're in because, you know, I was, I was in your shoes. And this means you kind of have to drive the ship yourself, face your fears. Don't hide behind lectures and outlines. I know they're very comforting, like a warm blanket. They can help set foundations, especially for first timers. They aren't what really moves the needle. I would say you're probably gonna forget like 99% of what you watch on the lectures. And also, uh, you know, we kind of hit on this earlier, you know, don't hide behind perfect memorization. You know, Doreen mentioned that you don't need to recite the rules perfectly. Yeah. And probably good with, you know, buzzwords and just kind of Forming, forming the rule statement in a way that shows that you understand it and in a way that you can apply it to the facts. And, you know, listen, I had the most beautiful rule statements in the world when I first took the bar exam. You know, I, I still look at it. It's like, this is really great. And, you know, I could write really good rules, but, you know, could I use them in an essay? Not really. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing kind of looking back on my old essays. It's like, you know, why, you know, I didn't know anything about this. After the first exam, you know, it sort of bothered me that I, it felt like I knew all this stuff, but didn't know where to put them. I mean, they kind of became irrelevant. Like I didn't, I didn't know where to put them, you know, kind of like a joke you want to force into a conversation, but you do it and it, it sounds awkward, you know? And uh, another one is, you know, don't stay stuck in a program that doesn't make sense to you. You know, to be fair, you know, I also didn't know, you know, what the hell was going on. So I just let Kaplan dictate what I was going to do. will require some courage from your end, you know, kind of conscious thinking, more a deliberate approach. Let's, you know, talk more optimistically. What, what should we do to move the needle? First, I want to distinguish optimizing for learning versus optimizing for performance. If you can, uh, you want to optimize for learning first. That means you are more, you know, conscious and judicious about what's helping you learn and retain the material. And, you know, that requires, you know, cutting off what's unnecessary and, you know, what is unnecessary depends mostly on you. Uh, if you don't know yet what is unnecessary, you know, try to proceed as normal, uh, you know, try different things and, you know, start paying attention to what is working or not over the next five days. And you may not have five days. So here are some of my suggestions that you can start with. I mean, you're going to hear this, you know, often it's kind of a theme in this whole thing, you know. So, so one example you think you can do is 
testing yourself with a question, you know, check that you actually know how to use it, uh, recalling and reciting the rules, and you know, dealing with the uncertainty of whether you're using them correctly or whether you're reciting them correctly. And, and by the way, you know, attempting to recite these things, you know, attempting to recite is actually the basis for all memorization. So you got to keep using them kind of like a muscle. Uh, another thing you could try is trying to focus on issues, like remembering, identifying issues, setting up the issues correctly in an essay. What about being conscious about how you're spending your time? For, exa for example, is it a good idea to skip a lecture that Themis is telling you need to do? This will happen often, you know, making errors, getting things wrong. But you know, still pushing on because you are optimistic about the future. You believe in the future. Most of the learning will happen at the tail end. So you know, trust yourself that you will be able to pick things up. Maybe, maybe you want me to save the reality checks for later. But if you end up failing the exam, that is not a big deal. You know, this is pretty common. And and yes, a lot of people do also pass the bar, but a lot of people also don't pass the bar. And you know, that just means you have an additional data point that you can work with so you can fix, you know, what you can do the next time. You know, once you know the truth, you have hope because you can fix it. And if any of you are a repeater, uh, you may not need to rewatch all the lectures, of course. You know, maybe pick a few topics that you struggled with in the past. And, you know, generally with all this, I steer away from passive learning activities, you know, like watching lectures, reading outlines. Those are good baseline activities to do, you know, maybe in the beginning, you know, set yourself up with foundations, but, you know, those are not things you want to do in the last month of studying, especially. So you want to lean toward doing things that, you know, you will be doing on the exam itself, which is answering questions correctly and solving, you know, problems. And, uh, you know, again, you'll notice that these things generally, you know, require facing your inner fears and, and, and it's okay to, to feel scared. It is scary. And it's okay to feel stupid. <laughs> you know, it's part of the process. If you're not feeling stupid, you're not learning. Embarrassment is the best way to learn a lesson. Don't let the exam be the learning experience. Just, you know, fail now, fail often, you know, get things wrong. And uh, hopefully you will get things wrong less on the exam. I just want to say quickly. So, okay. So we've just talked about a lot of different things. I think my takeaway is, because I think sometimes people people might hear what you say and it might seem like overwhelming, like, okay, if I'm not following my bar prep program, what am I doing? And that could be like a whole nother webinar on its own. So I think what I want to share based on what you've said is, because you were saying like, I had the perfect rule statements, this, that, and like still was not able to pass despite mm. all of that. Like you really put in the work. It wasn't that you weren't putting in the work. Even if you have the rule in front of you forget having it memorized let's say you have the rule in front of you you have like let's say you're using convisor mini review and you're like referring back to it as you're doing a question you can still get the question wrong and the mm -hmm. reason is because just because you have the information doesn't mean you know how to apply that information to the facts so i think my takeaway from everything that you've said so far is just the fact that you want to experiment see what works for you see what makes you understand things a little bit better and stick to that. Like if you feel like something is working for you, if you come up with an idea or you see something somewhere that someone says and you try it and it works for you, just keep going. There's no one right way to do this. It's not that your bar prep course is a bad thing. It's just that if you feel like you have to do every last thing and follow it to the T and you think that's what's going to help you pass, that's where you can get, sometimes it can become a little bit more difficult. And I think that was Brian's experience. Well, I just want to reiterate that uh, that's very much true. There's a million ways to pass yeah. the exam. You know, yeah. on Friday, I sent that story about Karina who 
who said she broke the rules and she, you know, passed magnificently. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did want to emphasize the, uh, the rule statement thing because people are worried about memorization. To put it another way, just because you have the rule, like the words on the, they're, they're just words on the page, doesn't yeah. mean you know how to use them. Yeah. You, you don't really know what it means until you actually try to fit it into, apply it to the facts. And, you know, reading the model answers, sample answers will kind of teach you how to do that. Brian, are you okay if we um, skip over to how to spend the last month of studying? Because I know that's what everyone wants to hear. Oh, sure. Let's skip to that. If we have time, we'll come back to the second question. But I want to I want to prioritize the questions people have submitted and how to spend the last time, month of studying because I know that people want to hear that. Okay. Let's do it. So how do we spend the last month of studying? How do we maximize our time to help most make us more likely to pass? Okay, so I was not sure how to answer this one even though it was the most popular question because it really depends on on you and you know where you are you know your background how much you've already studied but you know I'll try to speak in more general terms that might apply to most people here so despite what I said earlier you know if you're taking Barbary or Themis you know they uh you know they finally throw you into the deep end of the pool after like seven weeks of casually floating in the shallow end so you basically feel like you have to cram now and well you know passive study time is over so now is the time to kind of, you know, hopefully this lecture will kind of help you get into that mode. And, you know, just, and just as well, because time constraints, time constraints force us to be more creative and efficient with our time. So how are we going to do this? You know, what's that going to look like? You know, again, that's mostly grinding through, you know, past, past exam questions and checking your work against the answers. So the second part is actually really important. Just because you do the questions doesn't mean you're learning anything. You know, you're practicing answering the question, which is great. But how are you going to know if you did it right, if you did it wrong? So I uh, sometimes compare it to getting on the scale. Like practicing is getting on the scale, getting the reading of where you are. And then what you do in between readings is, you know, kind of checking your answers and kind of tweaking things around. So I do have a graphic about this. Uh, you know, I, I, kind, I kind of call this the practice and feedback loop. And we will be sending you a handout after this, and it will have the graphic. But basically, it means you you know study first a little bit. You know you you review the outlines, you attend the lecture. You know whatever you need to do have like to have a base level of understanding of the subjects, the issues, the rules, and then you actually attempt the question. You might get things wrong. You probably will get thing, get a lot of things wrong. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and then afterwards, you kind of check to see, you review the model answers to see what happened. I don't know if any of you guys are interested in artificial intelligence, it's very much the rage right now, but this is exactly how you train an AI. You know, as a patent attorney, I kind of deal with AI, like the inner workings of all that, and I had to learn, like I could take your course on it and all that. But this is basically how to train an AI. You know, you try things, you detect the error, and then you try to minimize the error. So that's what you want to do to train your own AI. Hopefully every day you are doing some MBA questions. It doesn't have to be 30, 50, 100. It's more about you know, how well you're doing the questions, not about how many you're doing. If you're learning from doing one question, I will commend that over someone who does like 100 and doesn't remember anything. And uh, you know, people sometimes forget about the PT. So do at least one performance test from now until July, one or two, ideally one per week, or maybe one per Tuesday to check that you're actually doing okay because it tends to be a pretty large part of your score. And if you forget it, then, you know, I've seen people who could have passed if they <laughs> had done a little better on the PT. And uh, to save time in July, you can also try outlining only the issues and the rules on an essay. 
you know, I talk about, or people talk about something called essay cooking, which is a name that has stuck for some reason. It has nothing to do with culinary activities. It just means that you focus on the issues and the rules of an essay, because those are the key parts of an essay. By now, you probably know how to apply the rules to the facts. You probably know, you know, how to uh, do analysis, stuff like that. And if you know how to do that, then kind of doing that over and over again may not be the best use every time over focusing on being able to identify issues and recite the rules. So that should save you at least half the time. Uh, for example, California essays are one hour. So doing this uh, essay cooking activity should take you, you know, 10, 15 minutes to write it out. And then another 10 to 15 minutes checking against the sample answers to make sure you got the issues. Can I pause you right there? Because I think yes. a lot of people were curious about this. Okay, so essay cooking is something that I think, Brian, a lot of people come to your website for that question, right? They're really curious about essay cooking specifically. I, I do get some questions about it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll i say from my own experience, like I think I learned about essay cooking from your website and just the name makes you want to know like, what is this? What does this mean? And I know you just covered it and you just said what it is, but I think just the idea about it is mm -hmm. it, the more essays you do, I mean, again, it's not just about how many, but the more essays you do and you practice looking to see what the issue is, how the issue is used, which rule associates with it and things like that, I think the easier it becomes and the more experience you have and the better you get at it, as long as you're not rushing through, right? But I think the point is, as long as you have the skills of being able to like analyze and write your conclusion and stuff like that, as long as you have that foundational part down, you don't need to necessarily practice that. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, I'm just sharing my my take on it and I want to hear if that's what it is. But I think the idea is like, if you have that, then you have it. It's not like you have to re-memorize how to analyze something, right? Or how to apply it. So you can do that. You have that skill. But the part where you like are able to f find the issue and then write out the rule and remember it enough to write it out, those are the parts where usually we tend to need more practice on. So if you can spend 15 minutes doing that and 15 minutes reviewing, you can do more essays and the analysis part, you should practice for sure as well, but you probably won't need to practice it for every single essay. You should practice it for a few essays until you feel comfortable with it. And then you don't need to do it necessarily every single time. Yes, exactly. That's a great summary. And, uh, you know, as you do more essays, as you cover more essays, the more you'll gain an intuition about which issues and rules are most important because you'll see them come up more and more. So it becomes like this natural way to kind of solidify the important parts and kind of deprioritize what's not as important. Yeah. So, you know, another thing about another disadvantage is that they give you every single rule that you might need to know, but you actually don't need to know every rule or every issue. Yes, sometimes you will see something that has never been tested before. Um, but, you know, the majority of the issues and the rules that you're going to have to wrestle with um, have already been tested have come up a lot. So just exposing yourself to as many uh, issue identification exercises and rule recitation exercises will eventually just become very second nature. And the other good thing about having these summaries, like these uh, skeletal outlines, you can write it down, carry it to your hotel room and review just those issues and rule statements. And instead of just reading through the whole like sample answers, you just have like this little booklet or packet of just like these issue outlines that you can quickly review before the essay day. So that is another advantage that I had for the second time. Also, Brian, another thing I want to ask you as a follow-up is, would you say that the essays, or I mean, I'm sure the MV is also too, but, but thinking about the essays, like 
it's in some ways it's a little formulaic, right? Like once you expose yourself to enough of them, like really going through it and analyzing it thoroughly to understand it and the way that it's like the way that they create it, the way that they think about like the facts that they put in that you then need to use for your issues. Like the more time you spend doing that, you start to pick up patterns and it becomes easier. Yes. Just, uh, just as there are fact patterns, there are issue patterns as well. Yeah. So the more you do these essays, the more you'll recognize, oh, if I see this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah. put these issues clumped together. And just to add a caveat to that, it is true that Iraq is mechanical, but you know that's not the whole story. So each subject and each issue has its own way of being solved. So just because you think in your head, oh, it's just Iraq, doesn't mean that it's always going to look exactly the same. Uh, you know, contracts, for example, you always want to state the applicable law. That, you know, that's like a very basic thing everyone knows. And for you know, Civ Pro, uh, you know, personal jurisdiction, you know, you go through you know the you know the the, the long arm statute, you know, the basic uh, whatever, the constitutional analysis, international stu- international shoe. So that has a very specific issue pattern. So just knowing the issue pattern will help you greatly. And issue cook uh, essay cooking rather is a way to get through more questions than you would have otherwise just kind of writing out whole essays. Have we covered everything that we want to talk about in terms of the last month of studying? I do also want to maybe give you a picture of what the last four weeks could look like in terms of schedule. Would that help you? Yeah, Yeah. sorry, I muted myself a little too early. (laughs) But yes, definitely, I think that's something that a lot of people have had questions about. And I think that seeing that, yes, someone wrote in the chat. Yes, please. That would be awesome. Okay. So the first thing I want to mention is that some people tend to hit the subjects in order. And then, you know, the first week is subject one, second week is subject two, you know, and so on until they hit week 10 is subject 10. And then they forget everything about subjects one, two, three, and four. So you want to prevent that, right? So I like to think in terms of cycles with you know shorter durations of each subject. So for example, taking the last four weeks left, we could have probably, we can probably fit in two cycles and I'll start from the end. Uh, you know, the second cycle will be you grinding through maybe uh, two to three subjects per day. You could be cooking essays and you could be doing MB questions as usual. And in the remaining time, the first cycle could be one or two days per subject. You know, day one could be maybe doing some light review about the subject. And then just kind of diving into the questions and you know, trying to figure out what you did right and what you did wrong. And then day two, if you need the day two, you could be doing some more of that, the, the same thing. And you know, kind of throughout, you could sprinkle in a few performance tests every Tuesday. So you know, take that into account. Maybe even add a buffer day or two or like a rest day. You know, sometimes life happens, things happen. Maybe you need extra time, maybe you need to catch up. So, you know, just kind of adding in that buffer will kind of help you not feel as overwhelmed. And I think these schedules should be a flexible living document, meaning that, you know, it doesn't have to be a rigid structure like the, you know, Themis gives you. It's your own personal document that is guiding you. You're not, you're not a slave to it. It's something that guides you. You're going to be the one using it. So, so I would Think about having, you know, like a Word document, you know, don't save it to a PDF, just have a Word document. You know, I like to do like a calendar format. Some people do like a list, like a table, whatever you do, you know, just kind of think about doing it in cycles. So you should be hitting any given subject, maybe twice from here on, you know, first cycle and then second cycle. Does that give you some ideas? I think some people are understanding it. And someone's asking, what about full practice tests? 
Bull practice tests. Yeah, those are those could be useful if you feel like you need to practice your stamina. I don't think it's necessary, but you know, some people have like these full 200 question MBE you know, assessment tests. Those could be helpful. Um, it's really up to you. I don't really require it or recommend it necessarily if you feel that you are pretty good at the stamina aspect of it. But you know, feel free to do it. If you, if you have the uh, Emmanuel Strategies and Tactics book, that has a 200 question exam at the end of it. So that could be something you want to fit in if you want to. Again, you are the dean of your own studies. You set the curriculum. And, you know, I don't have an answer that you need to follow necessarily. So I will say that it is a choice that you can make. It's not required. It could be helpful if you need stamina. So hopefully that gives you, gives you some direction. Brian, just because we've talked about the cycles before and I did find it helpful, let's maybe just recap it. So the way that you were explaining it to me and the way that I understood it, and I maybe there's a little bit of a gap for me as well, is... The initial phase is focusing on specific topics one at a time and trying to get really good at each topic. The second phase is a little bit of a little bit more like overlap and mixing things up. Like maybe is that correct so far or no? So the second phase would be almost entirely practicing the questions. Okay. That's how you fit in two to three subjects and you know using essay cooking, for example. Okay. So that okay. should allow you to fit in two to three subjects and also review time. And uh, and also I, I just want to just kind of mentioned that this is for people who have already done, you know, mm -hmm. the first six weeks of their course or their own self-study. If yeah. you are just starting now, it's going to look a little different, probably. You probably want to do more review in that case, uh, you know, looking at outlines and things like that. But, you know, assuming that you have gone through the course or whatever you're doing right now, you probably have a good amount of knowledge. So, you know, again, as, as I said, passive studying time is over. It's time to kind of shift more towards using what you think you know, and checking that you got it right and what you got wrong. Okay, so in terms of the submitted questions, the one that I want to hit on, if we do answer just one, it's about memorization. And we've talked about it, but I think it's still helpful to talk about it. So the few questions that people submitted are help with rule mastery. Everyone insists, insists you must memorize, but what if you can't just memorize all the rules? How do you get around it? How am I ever going to memorize all of this? Why did I think this was a good idea? That was my favorite one. Um, and there's a few others, but but I think you you wrote out a few answers to these. So I'm curious if there's anything you want to share here. So memorization is definitely a hot topic. It is, I would say, one of the top two fears of bar takers. The first one being trying to finish lectures. And yeah. I mean, it, it is not unfounded. It is something that is required, but it is also table stakes. It is a minimum requirement. It's just a cost of admission. Everyone's doing it. So it's not something to be so obsessed about, so worried about. You will be doing it naturally as you, you know, solve the questions. So, yeah. you know, with yes. that in mind, I guess I'll reiterate that you don't need to memorize everything and no one ever gets a perfect score on the bar exam. So, you know, everyone fails to some extent. So what you want to do is try to fail less over time. That's what yes. passers do. They just fail less. And the other thing I want to emphasize is to memorize the issues. People are always talking about memorizing the rules, but if you don't know the issues, then you have nowhere to put them. So be able to identify them based on the facts. You know, uh, people have used app sheets for that. I recently got a comment about how it's saving their life. And I was like, oh, I'm very flattered. And, you know, these issues can serve as trigger words too. Like, let's say you see, a, you know, a paragraph and you see that it's, uh, oh, it's negligence per se. There's a statute. So now from that, that, that phrase negligence per se, 
you might be able to just kind of remember automatically what negligence per se is about. You know, that comes from practice too. But, you know, just having the issues as a guidepost or like a, like a street sign uh, kind of lets you know which corresponding rule should be used. And pause you there really quick. Yes. I'm just going to say that I don't think I've heard that advice before of like memorizing the issue rather than the rule. It's not rather, it's also issues and rules. Okay. Yeah. But it's just like a different way of thinking about it that I don't think I have. And someone's asking if you can elaborate the difference between the two. But I think that's a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about that as well. Okay. So memorizing an issue. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, when you memorize the rule, it's just like, oh, battery is, you know, intentional, whatever. I, I don't know what it is. But <laughs> the, I mean, memorizing rule just means battery. Just remember what battery is. But yeah. um, also just kind of knowing what issues could be tested within the subject. So within the topic of torts there's negligence and then within the umbrella of negligence there's you know there's duty there's breach there's you know negligence per se so these subtopics which you will need to also analyze in the yeah. essay because you don't want to just put down negligence and then the rule for negligence and have one paragraph and then that's it you also want to break it down into sub issues so knowing those sub issues those nuances exceptions defenses you know things like that just being aware of what those issues are uh, will definitely help you set up the issues, definitely help you earn more points on the essays, and uh, you know, probably do well in the MBE as well, because you know, the MBE tends to test very specific nuances, exceptions, and things like that. And uh, you know, from what I hear, it's getting tougher and tougher. So that's another reason to you know, make this your last time as soon as possible, so you don't have to you know, take harder exams like next year or whatever. The other question that came up a lot is mindset. Mm. including okay just generally like how to have a winning mindset for the exam and also someone who said like I failed four times how do I have any confidence I think and I also just want to tell everyone who's here the reason why we're covering something like this is because it's I think it's underrated like talking about mindset I think if you have the wrong mindset it's very hard to pass so that is true Um, people have told me that you know the mind is 50% of the exam so I don't think a lot of people know about this, but I actually have a mini course dedicated to, you know, managing your your mindset and organizing your emotions. You know, these difficult emotions that come up during the bar exam. It's called Mental Engines. You can find it on my product page. But, you know, just to kind of talk about the person who failed four times, how do you have any confidence? You know, that is a tough question. It really sucks to fail four times. You know, I wouldn't know because I have not failed four times, but, you know, failing just once was pretty bad. I understand the need to feel some optimism. Something needs to change if you fail four times. You know, uh, hopefully this is, this discussion is helping in some way because, you know, you, you don't get this information easily. You know, uh, there's a lot of common uh, commonly spoken tactics and things like that. But, you know, how do you exactly do it? It's not very inspiring either, but um, I guess what I'll say to someone who's failed four times is, you know, think about what needs to change. Think about how to become better at these tasks. You know, confidence is not just going to, you know, that's not what wins you the game and you can't really rely on that. It's, it's competence that will win you the game. And, you know, competence will actually lead to confidence. So it's actually backwards. You don't, you don't get confidence and then become better you become better and then you become confident because of that. So confidence is based on evidence and I would encourage you to develop that evidence for yourself. One other thing that you wrote, can I just read something that you wrote that I really liked? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so someone asked the question about like, how do you know you're ready on the day of the test or like beforehand? 
And um, Brian wrote, you're calm and in a state of acceptance from knowing you've done your best, but it feels like you're not fully ready. If you feel fully ready, I don't want to scare people. It says you probably aren't. That's okay. You just need to be good enough. But I think the takeaway is just like, if you don't feel fully ready, that's totally fine. As long as you've done what you can to memorize as much as you can, there's no way that you're going to memorize every last thing. But I know most people are trying their best. They're trying very hard. And so I have hope that people will be in a state of readiness by the end of July, uh, just, just by virtue of how hard people are working. But, you know, just, um, just going back to the story I told in the beginning, you know, hard work is just, uh, you also need smart work too, right? You, just because you're kind of spinning your wheels, doing all this work, doesn't mean you're going to move forward. So, you know, hopefully, you know, part of the purpose of this discussion is to kind of give you ideas and, you know, strategies that you may not have thought about that you might want to consider that, uh, you know, if, if you don't like it, you know, that's okay too. It may not be for you, but if you do think, you know, Hey, you know, this could be actually useful then, you know, that could be something that kind of changes the game for you. And hopefully it does. So yeah, it's just smart work, hard work. And that should, you know, again, the last couple of weeks, as you grind through the practice questions, we're going to, that's where you're going to get the intuition, the sense of what to do. So I, I do believe that you will be okay by that time. But, you know, if just because you think you're going to be okay, doesn't mean you are going, you, you kind of have to put in the work too. So hopefully that's a measured enough answer. You know, I don't want to, just be all, you know, unicorns rolling down the, the hill kind of optimism. But also, you know, you got to kind of kind of do the work also. For sure. I'm sure. I, yeah. I think everyone knows that for sure that the one thing you have to do for this bar exam is put in the work or else you just there's no way. There's a lot of questions on the side. Um, we also have Aaron raising his hand. I'll let Aaron ask and then we'll go to some of the questions on the side here. Thank you. Hi, Brian. I've gone through the subjects twice already last month. And last month I would wake up, uh, I would be in the chair from nine in the morning and do three hours of MBE questions and reviewing everything you're just saying, right? And then uh, later on, I would do review for the essays. So you, I just heard you saying to try to do three. So and, and could you explain to me for the last month, if I am for a specific day, if I'm reviewing three questions, what does that day look like? Are you talking about three subjects per day or questions? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm doing three subjects per day for the last month, how does that day look like? Okay. So for example, so this is going to be the final cycle, you know, let's say, uh, you know, week before the exam, week or week or week and a half before the exam, assuming you have, you know, 13, 16 subjects to go through. So that's like a week, week and a half. So, you know, day one could look like, let's say you want to hit on torts, contracts, and real property, for example, or just torts and contracts. So you'll pull out questions, past exam questions from, you know, whichever bar that you're taking, organize maybe like four to 10 questions per subject. And then you basically just go through them. You don't have to answer the questions in entirety. Again, essay cooking will help you cut down on that time. Just outline the issues and the rules. You might want to maybe do one full essay just to make sure that you know how to do it still. But, you know, for the most part, you want to be grinding through all these essays and uh, comparing your work against the sample answers or the model answers, you know, compare you know, which issues you got, which rules you got. So, so that's about 30 minutes max per essay. So uh, I don't know if, if the three hours you mentioned in the beginning is your time limit, but, you know, let's say you do four essays or, you know, six essays per subject. You know, that's uh, already like three hours per subject, six hours total for the essays. And then maybe for the last two hours of the day, you kind of do some MBE questions, maybe 30 or 50. 
you know, 30 MB questions should take you about one hour and, you know, another hour to review the answers, to check that you got it right. So that's like an example day that you could try to do. And again, it is a flexible approach. If you feel like you're very confident in torts, then maybe you can cram it with another subject you're confident in. Let's say you're really good at evidence. So you could pair towards evidence and then, you know, real property if you're like kind of iffy on that one. So that could be a, a way you could fit in three subjects. But if you have, uh, you know, wills and trusts, you're not really good at it. Uh, professional responsibility, that's like a pretty big uh, subject. So maybe those you want to maybe spend one day doing two subjects instead. So you kind of mix and match. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Does that answer your question? Yes. Thank you, Brian. Great. Okay, Brian, we have a few more questions and not a lot of time. So let's do a speed round. Do you think it is okay to study the day before? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I agree. Um, and as maybe a follow-up, but also slightly different question. Someone asked, what do you do about burnout? How do you deal with burnout? Uh, take a take a break. Okay. I'm going to expand on that. The answer I would say is I, I recommend taking like a day off per week or maybe at least half the day off per week so that you can just process and not feel guilty when you take that time off. Building in a buffer day kind of helps you prevent. Yes. Like, oh, I, I missed a day kind of thing. And just, just be sure that it is actually burnout. Like if you, and, and also try to do something related to bar prep, you know, one MB question. And afterwards, if you feel like doing more, then do more. You know, that's, um, that's kind of the issue with motivation, right? You, you don't feel like it, but then once you start doing it, you kind of feel like doing more. So do one MB question. If you don't want to do it anymore, take the rest of the day off guilt-free. If you feel like doing more, keep doing more. Someone asked, how many hours would you suggest doing per day? I don't know, six hours, eight hours, 12 hours. Uh, it's really up to you. It's really hard to say, are you working full time? How much time have you been spent studying? Like there's a lot of different factors to think about. I would say you should know yourself from all the schooling you've been through up to this point in your life. And you can say based off of that, what is your max that you can still be productive? And it might change over time, right? When you first start studying, maybe you can only focus for an hour at a time. But you do that hour and you push yourself to maybe do an hour and a half and you build your stamina because you're going to need that stamina on the day of the test. So it's not necessarily how many hours. It's more that if as long as you're being effective, just keep going. I do want to build on that. Um, yeah. The thing that I wanted, I wanted to mention somewhere in this talk is that it's not really time that's your most valuable resource. It's your mental bandwidth, your attention. So you could anyone can at this level of education can find and you know create time for yourself. But you know, if you have kids running around, if you have like distracting things going on, even if you have three hours, six hours, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, if you're not focusing, that's kind of useless dead time, you know? So try to think about how you can find focus and attention and mental bandwidth in your day. Yeah, and not to get discouraged if you feel like you're not able to focus for as long as you want, that's very normal, especially in the beginning. It'll come as you keep doing it and you get better. If you come Monday as the day before, you can do a little bit of life studying. For example, you can review the essays that you've cooked. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't take you very long. But most yeah. of Monday should actually, I recommend dedicating to logistics, like traveling, getting your food arranged, getting make sure you have everything you need for test day and you're scoping out the test center. The only thing that should be new to you on Tuesday is the questions themselves, mm -hmm. ideally. So I think we're going to wrap up here. Thank you guys so much for joining today. I think, Brian, you wanted to ask feedback from the audience? Yeah, um, I was just curious just how you guys are feeling and what's, what, what's the most important thing you learned from this? If you have one takeaway that you took from today, we would be curious yeah. to hear in the chat. 
but a huge, huge, huge thank you to Brian for doing this. He told me himself that, and, and he's very humble, but he was telling me that he had a lot going on with work at this time, but he prioritized this and spent hours preparing for this. So a huge thank you to you, Brian, for doing this. No, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I do want to give you a special shout out just because you. you're also a July bar taker and you <laughs> have spent hours with me. <laughs> you have accommodated me very well um, just because I want to be prepared for this. So I'm really, yeah. really grateful for the opportunity yeah. to meet, you know, you and some of you for the first time, some yeah. of my longtime readers and maybe new members of the community uh, yes. over video. So, you know, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's all I have to say. Uh, if, if you want to learn more about me, it's uh, makethisyourlasttime.com. And, uh, you know, I'll turn it over to you, Doreen, just for yeah. final comments, questions, complaints. Final comments, I just want to say, so you can find anything that I'm doing. I'm called Before You Take the LSAT on all platforms, including Spotify. We have interviews with like the former GC of Apple talking about his career path and people talking about their career path in general within law. Look out for the email coming from Brian. He's going to share answering your questions. For everyone who joined today, I know it's a really stressful time. I hope that you continue to stay positive and just push forward, look for the little wins and don't get overwhelmed with how much information there is. Just think about the one step in front of you. And yeah, I think we're all in this together. So <laughs> someone wrote, you don't have to pass. You just have to fail less. Is that, is that what you said, Ryan, also? I yeah, like I think they're sharing like the yeah. yeah, I think they're sharing the takeaways. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. yes. You don't have to pass. You just have to fail less. That's really all it is small wins just keep moving forward that's it's just break it down into pieces i like this one comment someone said you know i'm yeah. right on schedule and even though i feel like the bar is attacking me i can fight back <laughs> yes. me. so yeah that's great to hear this it's, is yeah go ahead uh, this is tamara i just wanted to say i've been working with brian's materials i am not trying to advertise for him but i think Brian, one of the most critical things I've learned from you is in your YouTube video about what you assumed about bar essays might be wrong and the inverted IRAC. And then focusing on attacking the issues by looking at a list of what issues are available and then applying them rather than trying to come up with the issues out of your own mind. I don't know if you could talk about that briefly, but the APRA sheets are excellent for that. Uh, basically, you have a list of issues that you run through as a checklist as you're doing your essay. So you can say, does this apply? Does this apply? Does this apply? Rather than trying to uh, find them from memory. Yeah, that's actually a great point. One of the things that helped me pass the second bar, second time. So maybe I should have talked about it more. Um, that's okay. Yeah, she's talking about issue checking. So people yeah. talk in terms of issue spotting a lot. And to me, that's sort of a random process of just kind of pulling issues out of the air. You just kind of know when you see it, but I think that sets you up to kind of miss some of the more smaller ones. You can spot the more obvious ones just by looking at it, but if you if you know what issues are going to be tested and you know which issues might come up for the subject, then you can kind of go through a more systematic process of, you know, this fact means these issues could show up, and you just kind of go through and make sure that you know you know these they do apply. Maybe they don't. So in that way, you can you know, scrape more points by covering, you know, the exceptions, the defenses, and, you know, it's at least a reminder to yourself to at least, you know, kind of hit the, you know, the things you should be doing, you know, for contracts, it's um, applicable law for California community property, it's that little blurb at the beginning. So, so yeah, issue checking is definitely something you might want to consider. Whoever signs up for my emails, I do include a link to that article. So hopefully people have seen it already. Someone had a question about typing versus handwriting, if you recommend one versus other. I mean, I like typing. Uh, yeah. If you like to handwrite, then that's up to you. I okay. think typing lets you kind of 
edit your paper more flexibly. You can copy and paste, move things around. I do like handwriting the outlines, uh, the, it, the essay outlines before you actually type up the answer. That's a good, I, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. So you're not necessarily typing that part, but you can do it on your paper. Yeah. It's just like a quick sketch, you know? Yeah. So thank you guys all so much for joining and trusting us that this would be helpful to you. And it, it hopefully gave you something to help you improve and get closer to passing. So good luck, everyone studying. Thank you again to Brian. And that's it. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.